I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. So just before we start, I just want to thank everyone for reviewing, subscribing and following the pod over Christmas. We're currently on 270 reviews across Apple and Spotify globally. So thank you very much uh, for doing that. We really do appreciate it. So in this pod, we're going to be chatting about the EFL and reviewing the Borough in 2021. This is the Borough Breakdown podcast, and this is our match day chatter in a pod. Want support? Curtis Fleming is there on the edge of the air. Fleming for Craig Hignett. Hit it, Higgy. Higgy hits the track. Abanelli coming alive again. Janino wants the ball played to him. Abanelli spots out. Hello and welcome to the Borough Breakdown Podcast with Johnny, Dana and Tom. We are the Borough Podcast that gives you all your Borough Master Chatter in a podcast. And in this pod, we're going to talk about the EFL and we're going to chat and review Middlesbrough in 2021. We're going to give you our highs, our lows, our questionable moments, our podcast highlights and much, much more. But first, on Saturday, Middlesbrough's game against Sheffield United was postponed with Borough having over 20 cases of COVID across staff and players. But it did take a while to get the decision made. Um, guys, I'm going to start off and chat about the EFL first. Um, Tom, what are your thoughts on the EFL decision and why do you think it took so, so long uh, for them to make the decision? Well, my, my thoughts are it was the right one in the end. Uh, no idea how it took them so long to get there. I think listening to, to Wilder's press conference, it did seem like they were just kind of trying to make an example out of this game. It seems like with the amount of cancellations and the amount of publicity they were getting kind of like in the weeks before, it took this game uh, to get to the point where they were just like, right, doesn't matter what happened, this is getting played, whether you know we have to play the under-23s or not. And then they took an additional COVID case on that day for them to realise that this is probably the wrong one they should be making an example of. Um, so got there in the end, but I can see why everyone around the club was frustrated for it because it was, it was ridiculous that they got to that point. Yeah, what what's your thoughts on it, Dana? Because like Tom said there, it just seemed to take a while. Tom said to make an example, of course, but it was must it was really frustrating, wasn't it? Yeah, it was like that Drake meme of nineteen COVID cases, nah, twenty. Oh yeah, we can we can let that be postponed. It was ridiculous and typically farcical really from the EFL and disappointed it got 
postponed because I was looking forward to it. Obviously, Borough are in a really good period at the moment with their form. Um, but to be fair, playing the second string against Sheffield United, the way that we play, I mean, that's it, it would have been an, an interesting game, but probably a bit of a daunting prospect seeing maybe Lewis Wing try to ragdoll himself across the pitch, pressing with 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 his energy. It was, yeah, yeah. I'm kind of glad in the end that it got postponed. Oh, absolutely. Um, just quickly, I just want to say we're on on we're live today, and we're going to have comments across YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. Uh, Grant says, "Hey guys, happy New Year." Zach says, "It was also on TV the game as well against Sheffield United, so that could have obviously played a part as well." Um, but in terms of of COVID cases in general, because what implications could they have, Tom? Because it could be anything, you know. Obviously, with COVID, we know that footballers are having problems when they do come back and recover. Is there any implications that Millsroom might have over the coming week? Coming weeks, yeah. I suppose John. the uh, <laughs> <laughs> I suppose the worry is like long COVID and the, um and, and you know the the potential one rescheduled game. Hopefully, like looking at it optimistically, if if it's this kind of milder strain that's out at the moment and um and most of the squad have got it, then you know that's getting it out the way in a very short space of time, and we won't hopefully have too many postponements in the future uh but then there's the other side of things where it's like you know we don't know enough about kind of the the long COVID effects of that so is that going to have an effect on fitness and stuff going forward which is obviously a, a vital part of the way we play now mm. do you think it might see Millsborough be a bit more active in the transfer window Dan or if if Millsborough are hindered by the COVID cases I think we're going to be active in the transfer window anyway, aren't we? We need extra options. We need more meat to the bones. I will say, though, the fact that we have ended December in a really good period of momentum and we're going into it in a really good position in the table, I think that's a massive pull for potential signings because you think about when... Chris Wilder took over, we were 14th. We were dwindling in mid-table. We kind of looked like that was where we were really going to spend the rest of the season, to be honest. So him coming in and changing our form around is has been massive, really. So it's a massive pull for players to look at the club and see the position that we're in, see that we're in the playoffs and we've had a good run of fixtures, a good run of uh, form. Going into January, I think that is massive for p- potentially bringing players in. Mm. No, absolutely. I think when yeah, when you're saying they're doing around last season and when you're looking to try and bring players to hopefully sneak in, but now it's kind of like we need to try and establish ourselves in there. But funny enough, Millsborough actually acquired a quarter of the points uh, in 2021 in the last eight games. Um, and 2021 was a mixture of emotions from change from top to bottom. Um, Middlesbrough managed to acquire 70 points, winning win in 20, drawing 10, losing 20 with a goal difference of minus one. Like I was saying there, hilariously, Borough managed to pick up a quarter of those points in the last eight games uh, under Chris Wilder. But Dana, how would you assess Borough's year as a whole? It's been weird, hasn't it? I think like you said there, there was a point where it kind of felt like we were only winning or losing games. You look at the top six teams that have accumulated the most points over the period of 2021. We have the most defeats and the the least amount of draws, which I think feeds into that narrative of we were kind of inconsistent in the sense that we would only ever win or lose. So it's been weird. And there was a point where we even tweeted about it, how Borough's form in 2021 wasn't particularly great. And then you look at us now and, you know, we've we've picked up what was it the fifth, fourth or fifth amount of point, best amount of points. I mean, it's the the Chris Wilder effect really. So it's been strange. We have really flown through the year as being a Jekyll and Hyde team, and it feels like now we're kind of 
we're getting some rhythm now. Hmm. Well, we are, especially with the, the points that we've made. I can't believe the actual stat of just hitting 17 points in the last eight games. But here we are. Um, Tom, but how, how would you assess things? Because like Dana was saying, it's been a bit of an up and down year, isn't it? Yeah, I think that's the best way of saying it. It was kind of like a, a very mixed year. It was, you know, looking right at the start last last January. Um, it's the raised expectations of who we brought in for, all right, we're definitely making a push towards playoffs. And then it just went downhill. And then the start of this season, you know, you got Warnock talking up promotion since uh, March. We've made some, like, decent signings. You know, the, the first game back at the Riverside was, you know something to be positive about and so was Fulham and then it goes downhill and then you got Wilder coming in towards the end and it hasn't went downhill towards the end of that year so uh, you know we, we ended the year on a high um, but it, it definitely seemed kind of a bit of a roller coaster one in terms of the uh, the hopes and expectations that we, we had with the team um, you know a fair few disappointments in it but things were only looking up by the end. Yeah, absolutely. I think if if I was to describe the year as well, I think it would probably be a year of change, really. And I think when you look at Middlesbrough from top to bottom, there has been change made from you know bringing in uh, the likes of Kieran Scott and potentially Andy Scott as well as head of recruitment. You've also got Chris Wilder in there and whole new backroom staff. You know, we're seeing diff- we're seeing changes across like physios and fitness people as well. And it seems like Middlesbrough are having a huge shake up, and I feel like it's probably something that we've had to well had to and what we needed for a while really I think that Millsborough were just going in a, in a, in a place where it one it was a vicious cycle of constant rebuilding but two I think we were actually on the decline um, and, and if, if we didn't make those changes then we did and hopefully 2022 could be a positive year and Middlesbrough could be in in and around the, the playoff places and hopefully try and compete for promotion but if we don't it's not the end of the world um, but hopefully we can try and build on the, the recent success but I think if where we were say a few months ago it just felt like we were very stagnant and we were trying to get this season over and done with and I'm quite glad that we pulled the trigger um, and started to improve and it's it's thoroughly deserved that I think from from Chris Wilde I think he's he's done a fantastic job so far and hopefully we can like I was saying there keep building on on everything uh, that he's been doing but let's have a quick look at the comments um, we've got a comment from Alvaro Legredo the former Mills centre forward um, say he's going to listen to it tonight um, we've also got Ben Strickland uh, saying Happy New Year it's objectively the 12th best podcast uh, and subjectively <laughs> the best one looking forward to listening along during the 2021-22 and 22-23 promotion season uh, so yeah big thank you for that we did hit uh, 12th in the podcast charts this week so that's our highest peak ever so thank you very much for doing that guys um, but then also got a question as well, um, and it says from Rob Fletcher from Facebook, and he says, "Has Wilder been in charge of the, break- the breakdown pod with your recent rise up in listener rankings?" Um, we've, been in a, <laughs> we've been in and around it, you know. We've been we've been in the twenties, you know. But I feel like I think we've had the Chris Wilder effect um, and being in twelfth position. But hopefully, we get in that top ten in in the new year. And all, and all the best to, to Tony Blakemore as well, who commented uh, on YouTube as well. So thanks for commenting there, Tony. Um, but then the next question, guys, it's a bit of a difficult one because I've said in hindsight, being it, it's a beautiful thing, of course. But is, if there was a decision you could make and you could make sooner, uh, what would you have chosen? Would it have been to bring you, maybe not bring in the likes of, say, Balassi and Cabano, or would it have been sacking, uh, uh, not Wilder, Warnock? Uh, could have been <laughs> anything. So what, what would be the decision you could have made sooner? Tom, do you want to go first? Yeah, I think the the obvious one is getting wilder sooner than we did, and and probably switching in the summer where, 
you know, I think that was the point where Warnock kind of like, you know, his contract rolled over and he did get the other year. But I think uh, from what I heard, Wilder was still kind of taking time away from football at that point. So it wasn't possible to get him then. And it only was kind of when we did in the, in the season. And I suppose the other thing might have been if we could have got Kieran Scott sooner and just had a full summer of his recruitment rather than the mixed recruitment we got under under Warnock, where it seems like now um, you know, Iqbiasu is not going to fit into, into Wilder's system and he might be getting moved out. There's a couple of other... Um, Warnock signings that that might uh, might be on the way out as well, and I, I suppose the third third one uh, might also be to not sell Sam Morsing because I feel like he might have done well in that uh, that house and role that we've got now. Mm, well, it has made us quite stretched in that position, hasn't it? And appreciate <clears throat> we are linked with other midfielders in the window, of course, and it'll be interesting to see if Borough address that in, in January. But Dana, Tom's pick three. Uh, what what would you go for then in terms of the decisions? Like you can make as many as you want. You know, hindsight's a beautiful thing. Oh, it's difficult. I think bringing Kieran Scott in about five years ago probably would have been a, a good um, a good decision. But I think I agree with everything that Tom said. But I I don't mind the way that the seasons panned out in the sense that we've got. We got Chris Wilder in now, which I think is a good time. Um, I think we pulled it, pulled the trigger at the latest possible point, but a good, good point, obviously before the December fixtures and then before the window as well. So he has a diff, a decent period to be able to get to know the squad and assess the options that he's got, and then add to them and then take options away as well. So I'm kind of, I'm not mad at the way that the season's panned out to be honest. Although at the time, especially after that Reading game, I was thinking. Good God, get Warnock on. <laughs> but you know, we we did it in the end. So um I think that change that change from Warnock to Wilder is such a such a good move. I described it in one of my blogs as a power move and I completely echo that again. I think that is probably one of the best decisions we've made in a long, long time. Mm. I, I would absolutely agree. I think to put it bluntly, I think Warnock needed to go for Middlesbrough to flourish in with a new project in a in a new system. I think it was kind of it was a weird one, really, isn't it? Because Middlesbrough like you could have went the whole season and been quite stagnant and you could have just let Warnock see out his contract. Millsborough probably would have finished 10, like maybe 12 to, 12 to 14th, maybe. Um, I probably couldn't see it maybe a bit higher than that. Um, and then we've obviously made those changes now and then. I'm quite glad we made the change as well because if we went at the January window, Warnock's wanted to bring in more bodies that are similar to his his style and his style, it's very much one way or no way. So, it, of course, it's, it's quite a fixed probably say fixed mindset and system because the only ones to play one way. So then we would have had that whole transitional period again, rebuilding. And I think that the decision to, to, to probably get rid and bring Wilder in is probably a great decision. Could have done it sooner. Probably. I think Warnock deserved time, um, a little bit more time, but then obviously when it was clear that we weren't going to hit our targets this season, it was good that we made the decision. Um, I, I would probably say for mine, I, I would probably, I'd probably go with the, the Kieran, Kieran Scott thing as well. Then I think, I said on like that blog and I wrote in April around around Middlesbrough trying to hopefully bring in someone like that. And it, it helps Gibson make much better footballing decisions or takes Gibson out the line of those and takes Neil Bowser out the lines of those as well. Um, and bringing someone who knows the game inside out and had success with Burnley and Norwich, it, it just makes sense to have someone in um, to hopefully make those right decisions. And we've got a question from Tony Blakemore from YouTube. And he says, is it a mistake in not bringing Jed Spence back from loan? Um, so we'll answer that now before we move into Boris Player of the Year uh, for the podcast. Um, 
Jed Spence, of course, he, he did put he did put a tweet out of and, and saying that he was happy for the next six months, assuming it was like in Forest. And then, of course, it was confirmed that he is going to be staying there. Um, good move all around, Tom. Are you happy? Are you pretty much happy with Jed staying away, or is it a mistake? No, I'm happy with that. It's it seems like he wanted to to be at Forest, and his head wouldn't be there if he if he was brought back, especially to only be his competition for Jones, who I, I think has been a re- uh, revelation uh, in in that role. Uh, I don't think Spence is getting straight past him into the team. So I think development-wise and, and also adding to his value uh, towards the, the end of the season, because I'm pretty sure I read on one borough this morning, I think he's 12 months in his contract left at the end of the season. Um, so, you know, if, if he's only adding value from playing at Forest, then... You know that could potentially be a decent transfer fee at the end of the season, and, and more money to reinvest in in the team and, and the system we have now as well. I'd be intrigued to see if we had like some sort of extension to to Jed's contract. You know, like maybe have like an optional uh, another tw- another twelve months because if we were able to do that, we'd probably be able to get more money for him probably in the summer if he was to, if to choose to leave. But Dana, what's your thoughts on it as well? Because we nearly had that table at Manjaro's booked. We're nearly celebrating the streets. <laughs> um, What's your thoughts? Jed Spence not coming back mistake or are you happy with it? Well, it's a potential mistake. It's a, a risk, isn't it? Because Forrester at present a promotion rival. I'm assuming that Borough are banking on taking that risk and hoping that uh, Forrest will drop off. I did tweet to you, I wonder when that arc of a loan player getting their deal extended to becoming a loan flop will happen because we've seen it. We've seen it many a time. I remember when um, Ken Omaru came back and the second his second spell was definitely not as good as his first nowhere near actually so it it'll be interesting interesting <clears throat> sorry to see how he develops now it's all that crave i've eaten i'm choking on it now um <laughs> well, we, two of us have choked on this podcast it's it's only time to go now <laughs> just for context uh, i have a bowl of crave and i didn't finish it before we started so i was trying to rush eating it and anyway it didn't go well so I'll revisit that later, but what was the question? Yeah, Jed, it, it's a it's a risk, but I think I do kind of get what Tom's saying there, that his head might not necessarily be in it back at Middlesbrough because you got to think, before he, he went away to Forest, he wasn't really having a great time at Borough, was he? You know, fans getting on his back, giving him a bit of stick. It was the boo boy, wasn't he? So, <clears throat> yeah, I can kind of, I, I understand why he's, uh, why he's stayed at Forest. Yeah, it became a bit of a Neil Warnock scapegoat as well, didn't he? Um, which was quite hard for him, I think. Well, I just, wanted, just before I put a uh, comment about Jed, uh, I just wanted to shout out to, to Smog James, who's listening in Brisbane, Australia. Um, it says, congrats on a brilliant podcast. Just want to say shout out to our Australian listeners, by the way, because the review uh, the reviews we've got over there, is like there's 25-star reviews on Apple Podcasts. You know, people, they're always... Uh, reviewing us on Spotify as well. So really do appreciate everyone from, from Australia listening to the podcast. I can't believe we've actually travelled so far in that. So so thank you very much for everyone uh, on that front. But in terms of Jed, yeah, I, I think it's an interesting one. Um, are you saying there, Dana, around having that, that complete, that completion syndrome and, you know, trying to, <laughs> he's achieved his goal really to try and play regular football. He's enjoying it there. Would we see a dip? And for me, I think, like Tom was alluding to there, He's only going to be increasing his value more. If Borat have an extension clause on his contract for another 12 months, then we're going to get potentially more money for him. And, you know, if he comes back in 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 the summer and, he, and he, we can't get a move for him, then we've got a good good right back there. I think I think Jed's a, a, a really good talent. I've always 
thought it. You know, it, it's ne- it's never been a, a a form thing. We've we've said on this podcast numerous times. Neil's also had the Manjaros, um, you know, banner going across the, the across the stadium. So it's. I think I think he's a I think he's a good player. I think he needs I think he just needs a bit of love and some game time at Forest, and I think he's getting that now. I think he's doing really really well there. And you know, of course, it is that risk that Nottingham Forest could potentially overtake Middlesbrough um, in those playoff places. But I think you shouldn't really look at that. I think Middlesbrough can only do what they can do, and that's focus on winning the games. And if they can win the games, uh, we won't have any problems. And I think we're a much better side than Forest anyway. Um, but it's interesting. I think it's, it's an interesting move. But I think I think Jed going and staying alone is a good move all around for everyone. I think Jed needs it. I think Jed needs it. But the club uh, in Forest, they need a, a good quality right back. Borough want him to increase his value. I think it's a good move all around, and I think he should probably should stay there for the remainder of the season. If we do sell him, then we sell him. That's it's, at the end of the day. You want players that want to be here, and if if, if Jed did want to be here, then that's absolutely cool. No one's bothered about that. So, end of the day, I'm happy with it. So let's move on then to the player of 2021 because we we do love. Um, Given these players the praise in place now, and I, I kind of want to add a kind of a question in Dana a little bit later on. I want to go shit house of the year, so oh, um, we'll we'll, we'll probably add that in a, a li- li- little bit later on. Um, but Bora player of twenty twenty one. Um, just before I go, that Zach Buckley's give a comment saying a lot of our fans were harsh on Jed. He showed uh, what ability he had under Woodgate, so I think a lot of our fans should have laid off him for blaming him again. Like that's what we were saying there. Like it's it's more of a case of he does have talent. He has a lot of talent, and I think that it's just a case of managing that on and off the pitch, and then also giving the time to to make sure he feels loved away from it. So, Borough Player of the Year, Tom, who would you want to go for? Because there's there's a number of players, of course. Sammy Amiobi could take the hit, of course. You know, he's had a fantastic start to his work. <laughs> so, um, who, who would you want to go for? No, it's got to be Saliki. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, I, I thought about this and I thought who's been kind of consistent over the entire year, like including, um, you know, the, the end of last season and the start of this season. I think I've got to give it to Paddy McNair. Um, I, I think he's been he's been asked to play in, play a lot in, in different positions and he's done consistently well in, in, in most of them. You know, we had plenty of good memories from him being uh, that creative spark at times last year, uh, being christened uh, Paddy De Bruyne. Um, <laughs> and, and then I think in, in Wilder's system now, he's, he's just fit into it perfectly. So I think I've got to go with him for, for player of 2021. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Oh, Johnny's on mute there. I was was having technical (laughs) issues. But, um... But yeah, Paddy McNair, um, you know, like you were saying there, Tom, multiple positions, being most most consistent player in the Borough side this season and in, in, in cross 2021. Um, but Dana, who are you going to go for? Because are you going to go Paddy or are you going to go somewhere a little bit different? I don't know. It's it's not an immediate, like nobody immediately jumps out to me because I remember saying on the season review pod that I thought Paddy McNair had a poor second half of 2021. As did a lot of the players, to be fair, we did dip. So it's difficult to have an outright player of the year because of Borough's kind of half-half form. We've been good towards the end, but before that, we were just so inconsistent. So um, my sister's just said, I'm listening, but no idea who you are talking about. So (laughs) wait, that notification went off. But anyway, shout out to my sister who has no clue what we're talking about. Um, But I think with Paddy McNair, did his form dip enough for me to not say that he was player of the year? Probably not. Um, so I would probably I'd probably take the easy route and go Paddy McNair. Two for Paddy McNair, eh? Um see, I feel like he did, he was deserving of it. I think the the, the twenty twenty one you'd probably say if you look at Middlesbrough's team, who are the players that are dead certain to get him regardless? And you're looking at Paddy McNair, you're looking at Fry, you're looking at probably Tav, um, you're looking at now in this team, you're looking at Sparar as well. Um, and you could probably chuck Housen in there as well. Uh, and I'm going to go with, and I didn't mention him there, but when he does play, I think he is so vital to us defensively. And I think that we haven't, he's been excellent, but we still haven't seen the full-on best room yet. Um, is, this, is this who I think it is? I'm going to go with Anthony Dykesdale as my player mm, of the year. Funny um, enough, in my excitement at the Blackpool game, I did buy an Evelyn's flag, which I haven't opened yet. So there we have it. I, I am fully part of the Dykesdale fan club. Yeah, Anthony Ash Cheeks, as we as we <laughs> once called him. Um, oh, no. But it's, uh, yeah, I think Dykesdale has been fantastic. Um, when he when he has played and appreciate he's had so he's had a couple of injuries but when we when we play that three and he's part of it was so balanced you know he's Mr Reliable at the back you know I, and I I think he's been a, he's just turned out to be a fantastic sign and you could see it 
under Woodgate, I appreciate when Woodgate was manager, we had quite an expansive style and it didn't really suit him as much. And you could kind of feel that he was a central player, but he was a makeshift right back. Um, but when he obviously came in at that three, it's looked really good. And I, I can't praise him enough, really, Anthony Dyke still. I think he's a fantastic footballer. Um, but I think Paddy McNair should get all the plaudits. Um, I think he's absolutely su- superb. Um, but for me, Anthony Dykesteel gets the, the crown for, for Borough Player of the Year. And there we go with the, the Netherlands flag for, for you, Dana, for Anthony Dykesteel. And I wasn't drunk when I bought this. I'm, 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 I'm surprised by that. <laughs> I'm surprised by that. Uh, just, before, just before we move on to tra- best transfer of 2021, Ben Strickland, the king of the transfer thread. Um, he says, Piero's best role under Wilder, maybe not trusted in the midfield three, had a cameo as one of the, the two forwards a few games ago. Also very excited about O'Reilly uh, links, but he's surely off to Swansea. Um, so... Best role for Pierre under Wilder, Tom? What, what do you think? I think it's probably the role Crooks is currently in, but you can't you can't drop Crooks on current form. So, so like I said on the on the last podcast, I think Pierre's just gonna have to wait for his chance and, and take it when it comes. But uh, I believe that if you're looking at it as a as a death chart, he's currently under under Crooks in that position on the the right of the three. <laughs> I thought you said death chart there, Tom. <laughs> I was like, what? what? <laughs> I'm glad you it's didn't. Like, I was going to say, I was like, I took a, a really dark turn. It's a really dark <laughs> turn. Um, Dana O'Reilly has been linked, of course. Um, obviously, a few players are going to be mentioned in the trans- in the transfer window, but it's an exciting link. But what do you think? Yeah, I would love Matt O'Reilly here. I really would. Um, a player that is undoubtedly one of the best in League One, but it's a case of where does he fit, really, because <clears throat> he's not a number six, and I think that is the position in midfield that we definitely need to improve the most or add depth to. So I think with him, he kind of he's left-footed, isn't he? So he would be for Tav, mm-hmm. but there there is rumours that we are signing Riley McGree from... Well, he has been on loan at Birmingham, so he's left-footed as well. So, yeah, I can see him going to Swansea because of the Russell Martin factor. The way that they play definitely suits him as well. But, um, I mean, if we sign Matt O'Reilly, it would be a fantastic, fantastic deal. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, it, it's interesting to see how we're going to probably move in the transfer window because with Saliki going to the African Cup of Nations as well, we are light on midfielders. A left-footed midfielder would also make sense to give cover for Tav. And then also we've got like Piero then and it's like, uh, it would be, be interesting to see how we, we utilise Piero in, in, in the coming weeks and, and months really. But for me, it's like you were saying there, Tom, I think if when he gets his chance, he's going to have to take it because the competition for places is really heating up. Um, but let's talk about transfers then because surely Piero was definitely the most exciting transfer of the window. Everyone went absolutely crazy for it. Um, but what do you think Millsworth's best bit of business was this year in the last year of 2021 um then i want to i'll go with you what, what do you think good the old tree. matt crooks the tree it has to be i think the thing with matt crooks is there's a bit of a misguided perception of the type of player that he is because you look at his size and you immediately think that he's just a lump up front ready to flick aerial jewels on and, and things like that and of course that is part of his game because why wouldn't you harness one of his strengths which is his height but and I fell into the trap of, of thinking that, but he's so different to that. He's good on the ball. He's got great vision. He's got great creativity. He's pretty mobile as well. He presses incredibly well. And for somebody that came in with such little hype, 
I think he's definitely in the conversation for our best player of the season. So you're going to go with Matt Crooks. And also, this is open to, to the streams as well. So if you want to give us your, your player of the year and also transfer of the year of, of 2021, please get them in the comments and we'll read them on the pod. Um, but Tom, who are you going to go for? Matt Crooks has obviously got the mention there, but are you thinking somewhere else? No, I agree that it's Matt Crooks. So I, I think um, I agree with what Dana said, where he does look like the type of like player where you're just going to lump it up to him and expect him to win it in the air. Um, but... I noticed in the Bristol City game, kind of straight away, the the type of link up play he was having with with Jones on the the left side. I think it was on that game, um, and he's only just improved since then. Really, uh, I think even even when Wilders came in, he's he's fit into that system extremely well. Uh, like Dennis said, he's he came in with a little hype. It was a low transfer fee, so hopefully long term, it's going to be that that type of George Friend signing where he's going to prove tremendous value for money. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think there's kind of too many others that come close to how effective he's he's been there, really. Mm. So on on the comments as well, Ben uh, on Facebook has said that Crooks is his uh, transfer of the year. Zach Buckley as well said Crooks is the best signing. Uh, Gamer six 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 says got to be Crooks. Bamber and Peltier get a little shout out, but it has to be Crooks. And of course, uh, two free signings there for, uh, for Peltier and Bamber. Um, but of course, there is a number of players that you can mention as well. I thought Balassi was good when he did come. I thought Cabano was good. Um, but of course, we just didn't seem to materialize anything. Uh, we just kind of fell away. Um, Andres Sparrows, no so. exactly. Yeah, well, we didn't have any strikers. So um, we've got Andres Sparrows, of course, who's came in on loan. His movement is absolutely spectacular. He's starting to add to the goals now. And of course, if we trigger that 15 goals, uh, he could become permanent. So I don't know how on earth we're going to adjust the, tran- uh, the, the chant for that. Um, but we'll, we'll see how we'll, we'll see how that goes. Um, but if anyone's got any suggestions, put them in the comments and we'll read it out. Um, but I think, yeah, I think it has to be Crooks, doesn't it? I think he's just been absolutely superb, really consistent. And I think that we've got a, a bit of a gem there. I think uh, shout out to, to Neil Warnock and his team and obviously the, the recruitment team as well that have managed to identify him and, and to bring him with the football club because he's came in, hit the ground running, made us a better team and of course, if he has he has done well, but if you can bring in players that are even better than Crooks, then that's also like kind of the standards that you want, isn't it? So we're interested to see what we do there. But in terms of best signing, it has to be Matt Crooks, doesn't it? it has to be it has to be the tree. Um, but then the next one as well, and we're going to talk about uh, game of the year and appreciate we only won 13 games um <laughs> until you know i think it was 30 yeah 13 and 43 um in, in, until uh chris wilder came in so game of 2021 tom uh what do you want to go for i think i've got to go for a recent one i think i've got to go with forest on boxing day um just special game that like i said on the the podcast after it was the most complete performance under wilder seeing the Riverside full for, well, pretty much full for, for that game and, and the atmosphere that was there. I don't think anything else kind of really comes close to it. Um, possibly the Blackpool game. If, if if you're going to go for like a top two, I mean, that, that was a very different game though, just in terms of an entertainment factor. But like I said, in terms of a complete performance and, and, and everything about that day, it's got to be Forest on Boxing Day. So, Forrest on Boxing Day for you. Uh, Dana, what are you going to go for? Because 
I wouldn't, I wouldn't say there's many, but there is definitely a few <laughs> to shout out. Yeah, I'd have to say the Forest game as well. And the whole package of that game was just brilliant. And it, it was so good to come away from the stadium with such a positive and vibrant feeling after watching your football club put in that type of performance. And I agree with Tom, it was the most complete performance under Wilder, but also the most complete performance since that Brighton game under Itaka Ranka. It just, there was... It was literally a goal away from being exactly the same as that Brighton game, I think. And, I mean, the atmosphere was unbelievable. Red Faction were fantastic. The whole South Stand was fantastic. The North Stand did their bit. I remember when Zink and Agel blazed that chance over the bar. Everyone just... It was like celebrating a goal, almost. It was just that moment of... I don't know. It, everyone was just taken over by the celebrations and the South Stand was bouncing. You can hear it. There's a clip that was posted where you can hear it. And it's a shame they never showed it because the whole South Stand was on their feet, bouncing, jumping around. It was fantastic. And I really hope that we can get that, that Riverside back again. I know it's difficult sometimes for people get to get to the stadium because there's so many people, so many people that listen to this podcast as well that just aren't in the area anymore because of work and their careers have taken them away from Middlesbrough. But it would be great to see an atmosphere like that and a full Riverside again. That was a very, very special day. Mm, that absolutely was. And in Middlesbrough, obviously, there was a big result against her promotion rivals as well. The 1-0 win over Bournemouth sticks out. You know, you can also move into to Bristol City as well, the first game of the season where fans are allowed back in. It's also a very sentimental moment as well. Um, I think for me, I it's a difficult one, Rick. Really, I wasn't at Forest, was I? I was in a warm stu- I was in a warm studio with Dan Ragusa, mm. so yeah. And it was. It's not really. It wasn't really uh, as good. I think probably Bournemouth. I think Millsworth versus Bournemouth, winning one nil. It it showed that this could be a team that we're wanting to build something with. You know, we're we're looking to building a steel in this this side with being a promotion rival we we pretty much snuffed out every attack that they they tried to make and were able to cling on so could probably be my my game of the season i think it was it was very much complete before but a complete performance wise so even though i was watching it it was uh it has to be forest truly um but i was just in a different place to watch it <laughs> than normal um <coughs> moment of 20 oh actually no we'll go to shit house of the year i think we'll go for um <laughs> but before we go to shouts of the year, Zach Buckley did say he's Slovenian. He scores 15 goals a season. Uh, so that could potentially be um, <laughs> one. the one we've got for that. Um, but let's quickly see if we can get a bit of an overlay on the goal for this one. Oh, no, it's took us off. Um, but here's Shithouse Island, the island of plenty of shithouses uh, for Millsville <laughs> Football Club. Um, and also Willow Full for Painting is on there, which is a lovely a lovely little take from the David Wheater podcast we had. Um so, shit house player of the year. Um, who are we gonna go for? And of course, he doesn't have to be on the island just yet. But in, we could put him on there um, if they win the shit house of the year. So, Dana, who do you wanna go for? Shit house of the year. It's between Crooks and Tav for me because both of those you've seen Tav a few times shushing the home supporters and the Barnsley fans when we scored against them, but also Crooks. Crooks recently against Blackpool, giving it the big into their home fans. I think I think Crooks just about gets it. And also brilliant to see him go after Richard Keogh as well, because if anyone has listened to this podcast, you know how much I hate Derby County. Um and Richard Keogh is Derby County, so it was great to see Matt Crooks just just laugh in his face a little bit as he got wound up. So I'll probably say I'll probably say Crooksy. 
So Crooksy could be getting a, a, a notable uh, one-way ticket to Shithouse Island. He's already um, on it, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, he is. Yeah, he is. Yeah. He's already um, on it. It could be the, the king of king of the camp for, for the week. Um so a game of six 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 it says Morsey um or sixty six sixty six, I'll probably say that. And then uh, <laughs> Ben says Morsey could have been a shit house of the year if he was still here. Um but Tom, who are you gonna go for for shit house of the year? Say man was between Morsey and Crooks. Um just loved seeing some of the stuff Morsey was doing like last season. Um <laughs> love a tactical foul, like between him and him and Clayton when he was here. Like I just love seeing that in the game. Um but when Dana mentioned about uh Crooks laughing in Keo's face, that reminded me of the Blackpool game and it's just kind of pushed uh pushed Crooks over the line for me. So I've got to go with Crooks as well. I thought it was a great moment. Yeah, I also want Crooksy as well. Crooksy is absolutely sweeping up the awards already um, in this review show. Um, but we'll move on um, and we'll talk about guest of the year um, because we've had this year we've had a number of guests on. We're currently trying to secure the last the one for the first one for 2022. Um, but who are we going to go for? Guest of the year because we've had quite a few this year. Josh Walker, Sam Marzi, Dean Whitehead. Um, who he's going to go for? Tom, who would you think? I've went with Sam Morsey for that one because I just thought it was a a great interview that we managed to get a current Borough player at the time as well. Um, I think, uh, you know, we, we've had some some great guests over the last year. Really enjoyed the the David Wheater pod and the, the Josh Walker one, but I just think getting a current Borough player was, was just such a such a coup for us and, and just kind of shows how, how, how far we've come in the last year. So I've got to go with that one. Okay, so Sam Morsi for you. Um, Dana, who are you going to go for then, the guest of the year? It has to be Josh Walker. That podcast is just uh, my favourite one yet. He was so open and honest and some great recollections of his career. And we could have spoken to him for another hour, but for the time and his kids were, were in the front room, I think, waiting to be put to bed. So, yeah, that was a really good episode. Um, if anyone hasn't listened to it, please do, because it's a fantastic lesson, I think. If I yeah, do it's, say so myself. Yeah, it's um, it's a podcast that's underrated, isn't it? Because you know, you appreciate with Josh, like you know, he 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 had had so much potential to be a really really top top player, and appreciate injuries have played the part in that. Um, but I think it was a really interesting story around it, and I think that um, it's a really good podcast to listen to. I think there's there's been quite a few this year. I think obviously the Marzi one gets a really good mention. Uh, having Big Davy Waiter on that was a really good one. Um. Having Craig Little on too, I think that was a good one to understand more of the academy side of things um, and understand Millsbury's values as a club. Um, it's a difficult one. Dean Whitehead was really good too. Uh, oh, that's a tough one this year. I didn't think I didn't break one down. I thought, you know what, it'll just cover me on the podcast. Um, <laughs> I think if we get this person on for the first one for twenty twenty two, that'll probably instantly become one of my favourites. Um, but. Mm. For me, I'm gonna go with Sam Morsey, I think. Yeah, I think I think Morsey was a really good one. Um really open, really good to to have a chat with him, both on and off uh, off air. And obviously it was a major coup to get a, a borough player on him. Of course we we want to work with borough as closely as we can, um, but appreciate obviously things can can fluctuate with that and can be quite difficult. But yeah, I think I think Morsey for me was was really good. Um a really, really good podcast and hopefully we we get more players on in, in the new year that are currently playing for us. Um but moment of twenty twenty one because like I was saying it's been a bit of an up and down topsy turvy year. 
Uh, but what's your favourite moment of 2021, Dana? I'm going to go a little bit left field and say Conor Malley's debut against Rotherham because, I mean, he came from nowhere, didn't he? He got his opportunity because of Grant Hall's injury, thanks to Matt Crooks. Um, but he looked so calm and composed to the ball and, and you wouldn't have thought it was his debut. He looked so fearless. Um, he was always looking for the killer pass, some really good dribbles. He tried to create a lot. And to be fair, he created a few chances as well. Um, 81% pass and accuracy, two key passes, three tackles, one interception. He, of course, got Sky Sports man of the match that game. Um, and it's really good to see these players break through and have their breakthrough moment. Shout out to Hayden Hackney as well against Brentford, I think almost a year ago to uh, a year ago, maybe next week. Um, it, it's good to see. It's good to see these players get their opportunity and take it. And we've seen it with Isaiah Jones this year, but I think Conor Malley's debut was definitely stand out. Um, and hopefully we can see him a little bit more, maybe the Mansfield game, but if not, hopefully he gets a, a good loan and has a good career. Are you surprised that we haven't seen much of Conor Malley at all since that debut? I mean, it, I mean, they did make a, a Warnock Rejects ultimate team, not a pro <laughs> club, sorry. So, I mean, was probably did... I don't think he was in that. <laughs> you sure? I, I think, think it was. was it was Burrell. I can't remember who else back. Was it was it Conor Malley? Was in it? I think Flaren so. was in it. Yeah, and <laughs> Warnock's region. <laughs> After VAR, check it. I mean, if anyone's on on the on the on the socials now, can find that for us. And that'd be absolutely perfect. Um, but Conor Malley's debut was a really good one. Uh, Tom, what are you going to go for? I'm going to go for the obvious one and say being back at the Riverside against Bristol. I think after so much time out, that was it. Just felt completely surreal as a day, just to just to be back, and it, it was almost kind of like obviously COVID's not over, but it was almost like a celebration, like you know we're back. Um, but I also do have an honourable mention to to add to that, and that is uh, trying the chips and curry that you two were on about for for so long. <laughs> <laughs> Banging. Absolutely so banging! Good. Um, so good. I'm telling you, it's it's a re- it's, it's a really good chip band, You know, I, I I miss that now. I miss uh I miss going. But I'm trying to think of what I could potentially go for here because there's quite a few ones. I I'm gonna go with Josh Corburn header against Sheffield Wednesday, and that was his first goal for Borough on it, and. Mm-hmm. It's always good to see a youth player come through, score, and then like do have that. And I'm happy for him because he didn't break his nose like Danny Graham did. Um, <laughs> but I, I think Josh Corbin was a, it was a really really good moment. It was kind of like everyone's everyone was just so happy for him, weren't they? And I think it was a time where appreciate throughout the stadium as well, and you kind of want that feel good factor. And I think that was that was definitely one of them. And I thought he did very, very well under Warnock, and it's a surprise that he hasn't really got much of a look under Wilder, but it's kind of not his style, is it? So, but he's still a very, very young player. I think he'll go out on loan. I think he'll make a. I think he'll make something out of himself um, on on his on his loan spell. Um, maybe we go to Queen of the South because it seems like everyone starts to do well when we go to Queen of the South. Um, got something in the water up there, haven't there? So up the dune um, hammers. Up the down hammers. Um, but we'll go for best podcast moment of the year because we have some fantastic moments on this pod week in, week out. Some things that we have had, some things that we haven't, um, just for obvious reasons um, and embarrassing moments. But we'll go for best podcast moment of the year. Um, Dan, what's yours? Can I play it? 
You can play it, yeah. You can. Right. Roll the clip. Oh, okay, Dave, we'll come back to you in a second. Then, uh, Tom, it was, a bit of a shambles of a, it was a bit of a shambles of a decision, wasn't it? I mean, it's more than a bit of a shambles. Um, I've, I said previously, like, I wouldn't even wish him on, on Northern League. I think what he needs to do is find a profession where he doesn't need to use his eyes because he's clearly not very good at that. Like, both times, I mean, Savile clearly got the ball for me yesterday. I've yet to see a replay angle where he didn't get the ball and both times the disallowed goal on that the ball clearly changes direction now if that's happened how has that happened without him even touching the ball I mean he had the the decision right at first given the corner and then it was just absolute nonsense to change his mind like yeah just just find a job where you don't have to use your eyes work in the dark or something because you're not good at refereeing I feel like this has gone Borofan TV (laughs) work in the dark (laughs) Oh, it's a corker. Absolute corker. Tom, you were fuming. Fuming. I absolutely unleashed me in a true Geordie there because I looked like him as well with that lockdown haircut. Yeah. Missing the beard. True true Geordie (laughs) slash Randy Yorton. That's what it was like. That's skinhead. Um, But yeah, Tom, you were very angry on that decision and rightly so. Um, I, so I still getting... don't think it was a penalty. <laughs> Neither. <laughs> you can get your Neither. own back on. You can get your own back on Dana now if you want. Um, what's what's your best podcast moment? Uh, no, I, I, was, I was just going to say one of the interviews that we had. So I, I was going to say the <laughs> the Josh Walker interview. Um, I, I thought that that was one of my uh, my favourite points over the over the last year. Like Dana said earlier, we could have talked to him for another hour. It was. Come up, come off that interview thinking that is probably the the best interview I've ever done. Yeah. Mm. So, see, you were very nice there, Dana. You were very nice. You could have went anywhere. Uh-huh. Um, you could you could have done Benjamin Button. You could have done oh, out. Yeah. It could have I, been anything. I could have done the time that I absolutely stat padded Tavoni for him to drop an absolute zero out of ten against Luton. <laughs> <laughs> The bar, the bar breakdown effect that isn't it. Honestly. Once once you bring a once you bring a player up and you say how good he can potentially be, that's when you get absolutely hammered. Um, and they've always put in like a shape performance since. Um, but I think with the the best podcast moment of the year, I think we've had a really really good year. Um, in terms of like growth and also people reviewing and following us and obviously the chart and appreciate twenty twenty two and now when we got charted for twelfth, but. Um, it was really, really good. Um, but we have some fantastic outtakes as well, don't we? And I think we can't. We we do, and we do we do keep some of them in. And of course, we have like what what you have for breakfast every every week just to make sure our mics are working. And ah, the Benjamin Button one was an absolute corker the other week. Um, Poor Ben. I know it. I'm, I'm struggling. I'm probably struggling. Um, I'm gonna go with. I'll probably. Nah, you know, I'll probably go for for the Marcy Pod. I think just at the time we absolutely loved him, and I think to get him on, yeah, I was absolutely spot on. One, it was absolutely spot on. But hopefully, we get more on in the future. And if anyone has any uh, best podcast moments or highlights, just let them in the comments, and we'll read them out uh, just before we go off. Um, but a couple of final, one final question from me uh, for the podcast, and it's. What are you looking forward to in 2022? And then secondly, what would success be like to you? And that could be both podcast and Millsworth Wise as well. Um, but Tom, what are you looking forward to in 2022? Seeing uh, the current squad evolve. Um, you know, I think 
this January is going to be crucial to that. Um, I'm interested to see who we add and, and kind of who fits into this system. Um, and, and then obviously in the summer, we'll we'll build on it even further as well. I, I think there's a, it's a good feel-good factor uh, around the club at the moment. And I'm getting the, the kind of vibes like we, we had under Karanka where we were going to selling out away allocations constantly and there was that that link between the fans and the and the players and the staff. Um I'm looking forward to seeing more of the same for that. Um you know in terms of what would success be, I mean obviously finishing anywhere from first to eighth this season, even though I don't think top two is achievable. Um but we finished tenth last season. I'd like to see us finish more than one place above where we did. Um ideally I'd like to see us in the playoffs because who doesn't love a a good playoff campaign. Um, and, and then after that, uh, for next season, just building on that even further. Mm, absolutely. And if there's one man that can break the, uh, the playoff curse, it's Chris Wilder, right? <laughs> well, <laughs> you'd like to hope. <laughs> yeah, you never know. Um, but Dana, what are you going to go for then? Because 2022, what are you looking forward, forward to? And then what would success be like for you? I completely agree with what Tom said there. Just seeing the team progress and just going to the next game. I really want to go to the next game. I was really excited for the Sheffield United game, but unfortunately, obviously, that was postponed. So just seeing this this team grow and improve and, as Tom said, uh, evolve, because at the moment, there's such a buzz to go and watch Borough. And, um, yeah, just want to see the next game, to be honest. So I'm looking forward to that. Um and what would success be just to look back at the end of the season and be happy with the football club because we've had a few seasons there where I've looked back and it's been a bit of a bloom being deflated of, oh, well, this could have been, that could have been. And there could still be a, well, what if this season? But it's good to know that we're playing good football. And as I said on the last pod, it's good to feel good about your football club. And this is probably the best I've felt about boring a long time. Hence why I bought that Dutch flag because I'm getting carried away. I mean, no, I'm not carried away, but I'm getting really, really excited and really happy. And um, there's there's no feeling that can really replicate that, to be honest. Um, to feel happy about your football club is something very special. So, yeah, um, I just want to look back at the end of the season and, and feel happy about Borough. Mm. Well, some some good things there, and obviously with the Dutch flag down, you know, we've had some great Dutch players uh, over the last last few years. You know, I'm thinking Zenden, uh, Darun, George Boateng, Anthony Dykesteel now. You know, I feel like I'm missing one as well, but, you know, there's some... Uh, the the Dykesteels some... are taking over. You've got the Dingles in uh, Emmerdale. You've got the um, Platts in Corrie. You've got the Dykesteels in Middlesbrough. And and his brother is currently on Whip at Lawn and Whippy, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's uh, right. Exactly yeah. it. Um, but for me, I'm gonna go what I'm looking forward to in 2022. Um, what would success be like for me? I think 2022, I I agree with you both. I think having that feel good factor factor and building on uh, what could potentially be a really successful season. Um, and that's kind of what I'm looking forward to. Like next six months would be really, really could be potentially really special. But then also, if we don't do it. I'm not particularly that fussed anyway. I think if if we if we go up this year, I think it's because of a really poor championship rather than having a squad ready uh, for it. Um, but I think in terms of success, I put in like that that piece I wrote um, like the other day, and I was saying that Middlesbrough could Middlesbrough's success could come in three years' time, where it really starts bearing its fruits, where. You start having players come through the system. You have our recruitment strategy in a much better place than what it previously was. All the foundations are built, and that's where you'll probably see Mills were really hot and hopefully 
you know come together and have some really successful years um in in the future but for me what's what success look like like i was saying like you guys have said just keep building keep building keep building the fans are fully bought in now we're in the right direction in terms of a project build it's going to have its highs and lows but overall i think this could potentially be a, an exciting period for Borough um, if we allow it to be, an ex, uh, allow it to be, as, especially as fans. Um, but that's it, guys. The review is done. Thank you very much for joining me as always. And thank you to everyone who's watched us um, on the live stream as well. And this podcast is available, of course, in the podcast apps later this afternoon if you want to listen back to it. Um, and also thank you to everyone who's listened and engaged, reviewed the pod over the last 12 months, like I said at the start. Uh, we're in 12th position um, in the chart this week for football podcasts in Great Britain. So thank you very much for that. And then also thank you for, for everyone for giving us reviews. We're in 260 reviews and that was absolutely mental. Um, but this has been the Borough Breakdown podcast. And that was all your match day chatter in a pod. Up the Borough Breakdown.